Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, we asked for snow last week, and by golly, the universe delivered. We've got updates on Peregrine, a court case involving athletes and performers who come here to entertain us, and a few life hacks for Yins ahead of what looks likely to be another weird weather week in Pittsburgh. It's January 19th, the Friday News Roundup. I'm Megan Harris, and here's what Pittsburgh's talking about. I'm with CityCast producers Mary Lee Williams and Sophia Lowe. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, Megan. How's everyone doing? I know it's been a very long week. Definitely. I feel like somehow it's been made longer because of the weather. There's something yes. about this weather that makes me feel like time somehow moves slower. Well, Mary Lee, you also had some added challenges with that. Oh, my God. Y'all, I'm going to give a little quick PSA for everyone listening. Pay attention to your pipes. Like... Mine froze. Uh, don't be like me. Don't fall asleep uh, and forget about maintaining your pipes. Uh, it's going to be really cold this weekend, so take precautions. My pipes did not burst, though, so I got lucky there. Oh, but at least that's a bit of good news. That's it is new good news. I'm so glad to hear that. We yeah, were worried. We <laughs> didn't burst. We are fine. Uh, but just be careful. You know, do the little drippy thing. Do what you need to do to make sure that your pipes are maintained, especially if you live in like a row house or something like that, because sometimes water getting up to the top is is difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And you are not the only person with house problems. Uh, I rent, so not my job, but my roof needs repairs. Probably not going to happen, yeah. though, until the weather also gets better. I imagine it is not safe to be on a roof right now. Yeah, I bet. Doesn't seem like it would be. <laughs> well, we're going to have more home stuff later on, actually. But before we jump in, we've got a quick update to a sort of unfortunate story that we've been following. Our little lander that could, Peregrine. 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 In case you missed it, Peregrine was made here in Pittsburgh by a company called Astrobotic. It's been in space since Monday the 8th. We've done a couple of pods now talking about the buildup to its launch, mm -hmm. some problems it had with a fuel leak and the pinnacle of its achievement. It got to moon distance, but the quote unquote, the moon was not there. It was so poetic. So sad. Um, it could not softly land anymore because of that fuel leak. So Astrobotic brought it home to Earth. Well, not exactly touching the ground here, but nope. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that is a good segue here. The Peregrine, it's it's gone now. It has gone away as we're recording this based on the estimates and Astrobotics live stream of like doom on YouTube. It's got like this countdown clock. It's like yeah. kind of tragic. Uh, it should be burning up in our atmosphere. And gosh, I don't know, like not that long. And so like as we're speaking, as we're speaking, if as you're hearing this, it is it is no more. <laughs> it is gone. So as you're hearing it, goodbye. Goodbye, Peregrine. Uh, but Astrobotic is doing a press conference with NASA today at 1 p.m. to share more about the updates so that you can learn what happened to our little friend. Yeah, goodbye, little buddy. Uh, but there will be future missions. And they say they learned a lot from this one that will help, you know, for for down the road. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As for, you know, how Pittsburgh's going to continue to be involved in space research, uh, Astrobotic is planning for another mission uh, with their lunar lander Griffin um, that is slated to come up this year. But that stuff gets pushed around. But, you know, same with Peregrine. We'll keep you posted on any future missions, goals and when we do know more. 
So I guess turning now to a big week in news and like we said, uh, home and yard maintenance, it turns out. So it's going to be a fun one. <laughs> yeah, we're really going, really leaning, leaning into news you can use this week <laughs> a bit. Megan, before we get into that stuff, I do want to know, have you personally emotionally recovered from the Steelers loss? Honestly, it's chill. I really had no hope for that game. It would have been nice if we'd won. Um, but I'm really happy for the Bills and Bills fans. You know, when we were winning Super Bowls all those years ago, Buffalo was the butt of every joke. So, you know, good for them that they get some joy in their lives. That's really nice of you. And I'm glad at least you had your expectations set right at so the beginning. Low. So low. <laughs> yeah. Well, so my favorite part of football this weekend was all the people dealing with the snow. Those videos were very funny of people just kind of like trudging through it and, and making snowmen and enduring the cold. So a thousand percent Buffalo fans and, and Pittsburghers. There were a lot of Pittsburghers there did not disappoint. There were snowball fights every time something good happened for Buffalo. It was funny. <laughs> well, I do have some like athlete-adjacent, entertainer-adjacent news. So mm -hmm. last week, the Commonwealth Court upheld a ruling that a tax collected here in Pittsburgh is unconstitutional. And this does have to do with athletes. Um, so, But in researching it, I learned a fair bit about this tax and also that it is sometimes called the jock tax, which I genuinely don't love that name. Why don't you like <laughs> it? It kind of reminds me of the word jockstrap, which I don't love you know I, like I did not put that together <laughs> I mean jock tax is still a catchy name though I'll give you that it's catchy and I, I do like it when things have catchy names I just don't love saying this one <laughs> we'll try to keep it out of your mouth uh, I am very familiar with this personally it's the fee that the city charges professional athletes performers all kinds of people um, anyone who doesn't live here but they're technically working here for like a day or two or even just hours sometimes we tax them for the privilege really they charge people a fee to come here? I thought we'd want to be convincing cool performers to come visit. You would think. Well, it's technically called like a facility usage fee. And we've had it since 2005. So like when you break it down, it's like a 3% wage tax. And like a lot of people have been charged it because it's like bands and singers and like performers, magicians, comedians. And then like the jock part that we were referencing for is like the athletes and sports teams employees. So it's like kind of encompasses a lot of people. But the big thing is, is like where they live. Yeah. And it's been disliked among those folks for a pretty long time. The lawsuit that was in play underlying of this whole thing was filed in 2019. The players unions all signed on. It was actually started by a former Penguin and oh. a couple of others who brought that original case. He helped us win our last Stanley Cups. Hmm. Yeah, I did not know that I because I don't follow sports enough to know who any of the players are <laughs> ever. Uh, but this one I did find interesting because I find like legalese and budgetary stuff. Very interesting. <laughs> right up your alley then. I'm a nerd. Uh, but it's it's like where they're doing the entertainment performance sports or thing. I think that's also really interesting here. So it applies to performances in our publicly funded venues. So that's like PPG Paints, Acrisure, PNC mm -hmm. Park, like the convention center, other places. Uh, a fun fact in the regulations, which I dug up. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> It's still called Heinz Field. So RIP Heinz Field. I miss you. I'm glad that's a thing we didn't bother to update, you know. <laughs> so this doesn't apply to everyone performing in the spaces. Uh, you keep saying like non-residents. Why? Wouldn't it make more sense to tax everyone equally? 
Well, so the city argues that they were. Um, if you live in Pittsburgh now, you already pay a 1% income tax plus a 2% school district tax. So that's 3% total. Um, and the city says that if you come here and generate income while in Pittsburgh, then you should pay the same, a combined 3%. Yeah. And the court's when it's wound its way through them, has not really bought that argument. They didn't think like the one, two, and three were apples to apples. And they said that this tax violates the uniformity clause from the state constitution. Mm -hmm. My favorite thing, I think, about this whole thing are like the weird little details in some of the regulations and the way the city has talked about it over the years. Mm -hmm. um, so the first one, even if you play for a Pittsburgh team, but you live outside the city, you're still getting dinged. I think it's so That's weird. infuriating. Right? Yeah. So like if you live in the North Hills or the South Hills or something like that and you're a penguin, you still pay this tax. Um, also, at least for a while, there seems like there was a loophole where performers were able to self-report their earned income here. So Ooh. some people would just come to, to the city mm. and perform and say, sorry, we didn't make any money. So they just never paid us anything. Classic. Um, or they would take years to pony up, like after we asked for it and everything. Um, and then I also found a very old report. I think it was from 2013, where they explicitly said that the city collects the most money when we make a deep playoff run in one hmm. of our sports. Um, so baseball always makes the most money because they have the most games. But mm -hmm. then the Steelers and the Penguins will make more money for the city if they have more games, if they go to like, you know, deep into the playoffs and bring people here more often. Oh. It was wild. Yeah, mm -hmm. that is kind of interesting. Um, but I guess the courts didn't agree with all this tax stuff. <laughs> well, the courts aren't really here to look at <laughs> to look at like what's benefiting who. But I mean, like things could still be in motion. The city could still appeal the decision to the state Supreme Court. I haven't seen anything as of this recording saying that they will or won't. So I guess that's kind of up in the air at the moment. But they were still clearly at least sort of planning to rake in more money as recently as a few weeks ago because the 2024 capital budget that, you know, was passed not long ago um, has a line item for $4.4 million that they expected oh, to bring wow. in in the next year. But, like, they can't have thought of that. Like, they can't have been able to have included that in the budget because, like, they haven't been able to collect this facility usage fee since the common pleas judge, like, put an injunction in place. And that that was September of 2022. So I would imagine the city officials like had to know that this money wouldn't be coming in. I'm, I'm a little confused about the decision process behind all this. I, I agree. I don't I think that's one of those like counting the chickens before they hatch kind of thing. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I mean, no matter what the city officials thought, either way, they lost a lot of money from the Eras tour. Oh, my gosh, you're right. <laughs> I was thinking about that, but then I also was like, well, they made a lot of money. I guess the city made a lot of money, too. So, like, I don't know. I guess they just didn't get that little extra bonus tax income. They didn't get the tax. They got the economic boost. But, yeah, I bet that would have been a ton of money. Can you imagine what the revenue probably was from a single show? Woo! A lot. Um, before we wrap, I have one funny sports meme to show you all from the week. Um, Yay. So the context here is that a bunch of pro and college football coaches all over the country have gotten fired in the last few weeks as the seasons have ended. And then people are like, mm, they're not really performing. We should find new blood. Um, so Steelers coach Mike Tomlin only has one year left on his contract. And we have not been Super Bowl contenders in over a decade, which is starting to really wear on fans. Um, oh, also, no. I think they're feeling brave because of Matt Canada getting fired earlier this year. 
So after this Buffalo game on Monday, a they always do a post game and the coach and some players come in. Yeah. A reporter started to ask Tomlin about his contract. And here you go. Do you have you all seen this? No. Oh, okay. I didn't. I don't know. I don't want to take it for granted. I saw chatter on the internet about it, but I intentionally didn't watch it. So he just like straight up walked away. Yep, gone. Just gone. Uh, So anyway, a bunch of folks have had a lot of fun with it. Um, Eaton Park had one of my favorites um, where folks are just like trying to come up with like funny examples of like why someone would just look at you deadpan angry and walk away and (laughs) not do anything. Um, We'll post links to the a couple of the NFL ones and the Eaton Park one in our show notes. It's just amazing. I'm looking forward to that. We love a good meme here on CityCast. So does this mean Mike Tomlin might get fired? Uh, probably not. Um, he has, for the record, since addressed this whole thing. Like, he's, like, <laughs> habitually rude to reporters. It's, like, one of his pastimes, I think. Um, but he did say, like, I could have handled that moment better. I just don't think a post game is the time to talk about contract extensions. Um, all of that said, the last time we had a conversation in this show about the likelihood of a Steelers coach getting uh, nixed from the team happened to be the same day that it actually happened. So we're either very clairvoyant or we don't know and wildly unqualified to speculate. So I don't know. Maybe he'll stick around. Maybe he won't. Right now, he's the longest tenured coach in the NFL. Oh, wow. Hey, Pittsburgh. I want to tell you about a real Steel Town hero. Mary Cardwell Dawson was just the coolest. Not only was she the proprietess of that gorgeous Victorian mansion on Apple Street in Homewood, but inside it, she presided over the National Negro Opera Company. She founded guilds for other Black singers all over the nation, and she was a mentor for fellow opera singers from here to Washington, D.C. And lucky for you, our modern Pittsburgh opera has a show celebrating her legacy. Get your tickets now for The Passion of Mary Cardwell Dawson. It's at the Bayam Theater through May 5th. And don't be nervous if you're new to opera. The show is in English. It's just over an hour and features a little dialogue for folks to follow along. Tickets start at just $15, and there are all kinds of discounts and special offers for students, teachers, seniors, and veterans. Get your tickets now in our show notes for the Pittsburgh Opera. That's at pittsburghopera.org. So, Megan, obviously we've all been hibernating from the snow and cold this week, but you brought something up that I hadn't really thought about, and I really generally don't love to think about. Uh, But, you know, I thought maybe other people (laughs) should hear it. Uh, it has to do with weather and things moving. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so the snow is pretty, but when it melts and if it gets warmer after and that happens over and over again, that can mean landslides here in Pittsburgh. Eek! Landslides? <laughs> I might have to deal with a landslide here. I mean, like, I've been to your house, Sophia. I think you're good. I don't think you have to deal with landslides. But generally, some people do okay. in the city. I... Moved here with my partner, didn't do any research, didn't really check out the homes and, you know, where I should live. I was just saying, I don't want to walk up the hills, did not really think about Mm -hmm. landslides. Were you thinking about just like a cute neighborhood where to get good coffee? That's cute. 
I said, find me a place where there's transit and there's coffee. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, I have some more bad news for you coming then. Um, I have heard anecdotally that Pittsburgh is particularly prone to landslides. Um, Not the worst um, and probably less catastrophic than a lot of them out west, of course. But by quantity, we still have an unfortunate amount of land frequently falling down our hills. It's kind of nuts. That's not a list I want to be on. But like, I think the other question is, is like, Megan, why do you know so much about landslides? Uh. I think this just barely predates you, Mary Lee. Actually, everyone in Pittsburgh had to learn so much about them in 2019 because that previous year we had the wettest year on record up to that point. Um, So there were landslides everywhere. I think the worst one, at least to look at, like in photos, um, was along Route 30 in East Pittsburgh when a landslide literally took out a huge chunk of the road. Like it was enormous. The photos were so dramatic. Um, But driving on like any highway, you would see slides like all over the hills. There was um, little ones all dotting like along 279 in the north. You could see some like starting in little spots all over um, because it was kind of still winter. So there were no leaves on the trees. You could see it Mm. when it started. It was really, really wild. So is there a landslide season? Are there any factors that make it more likely for it to be like a bad landslide year? Yeah, I thought this would be like a good opportunity to like remind people how these can work. Um, So in mild winters, as early as like now through maybe early June-ish, when the gray and the rain finally start to pass, that's kind of the like period where we seem to get a lot of them because the temps warm up Mm -hmm. and it's that freeze thaw cycle that can exacerbate things. Um, I talked to an engineer years ago and he told me that landslides were triggered by four things, four main things around here. So number one is cutting into a hillside. So like you remove some of the resistance. That makes sense. Yeah, that helps support the hill. Number two is adding um, a load to the top of a hill that can't sustain it. Like if someone builds something super heavy at the top, and maybe it had been stable before, but that can like mess it up. Number three is water. So groundwater, stormwater, it can be a water main break too. Um, He talked a lot about like how sometimes landslides are caused by a water main break, um, but also sometimes they break water mains when they fall. So it can make it a little bit hard to tell which one came first. And then the fourth one, less of an issue here, is vibrations. Um, So like earthquakes, but it could also be like uncontrolled blasting or a build site being too close to an unsecure hill. It's a lot of things. Yeah. And it sounds like they can all kind of lead into each other as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I mean, like we can't really do anything about earthquakes. We can't really control the rain as much as we might like to. But like, I mean, we can't control where we build our homes. I mean, some Mm -hmm. of them like we can't take it back. There are some houses there, but like new construction we can definitely control. Exactly. And engineers always scout for that stuff on new construction. Like it's nothing to worry about there. Um, The older neighborhoods are the ones that are like particularly prone to this. Yeah. So for folks that live in those neighborhoods, is there anything people can do about landslides? I mean, I don't know how much you could try to prevent one, but like... You can, technically. It's just, it's pricey. Um, If you are very worried, I would say very worried, you can get a professional geologist or engineer to map your property to see if you have any issues. Um, When I talked to this engineer back in 2019, the quotes at that time were $8,000 to $20,000 just to analyze your land. Absolutely not. And actually remediating it, um, like if they find anything, was like $25,000 to $100,000, depending on what's wrong and how big it is. Whoa. I, yeah. That's not a solution. I know. That's not, 
that's that's not that isn't a solution. Truly, you pay that much money to find out if there's a problem, and then you have to pay that much money to fix it. At that point, it's just like that's also what, such a huge range. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the basic answers he had at the time um, were that if you live on a hill, like bottom or top or in the middle somewhere, know your land. Like, where was your hillside when you moved into your house? It, does it change over time? Like, that kind of thing can be a warning sign. If you live at the top, you can watch for cracks along your slope. Um, he said they can be called tension cracks. You can look up on Google what that can look like. Um, trees beginning to lean that maybe didn't before, um, that sort of thing. So if someone were to see something like, you know, trees beginning to lean, the hillside changing, and they can actually afford to address it, what does remediation mean? Like, what do people do to fix a hill? Different things. Um, The one I think we're all the most familiar with probably in Pittsburgh is retaining walls. Like, if you look up when you're on 28, all those huge concrete walls are there for a reason. And they're all over Pittsburgh. They are not decorative. In most cases, they are literally holding up our homes. So if you have one, big or very small, just make sure it's in good shape um, or try to, like, there's different strategies for, like, shoring them up if you can't pay for a full replacement. So, like, what if something bad happens? Like, what can I do? Can I get help? Is there insurance? Will the city help me clean it up? Like, what's the sitch? Public Source had an interesting story about how Pittsburgh is starting to get involved in helping homeowners. We'll link to it in the show notes. Um, According to the capital budget, they've got five really big projects on their list for this year alone, although I noticed only four have funding attached. So together, that's like four and a half million dollars. But it can take a really long time to get any kind of remediation help from a government agency. As for insurance, uh, Pennsylvania has mine subsidence insurance. Are are either of y'all familiar with that? Nope. (laughs) So, okay, Sophia, this is actually actually for both of you. This is important. Um, If your property is built on old mining land, which an enormous portion of Pittsburgh is, uh, then you can get coverage to repair your property if anything caves in. It's comparable because insurance companies don't cover landslides. You cannot buy insurance for it. But the model for what it could be is very similar. So, like, we could take how mine subsidence insurance works and apply it to landslides. Pennsylvania lawmakers have talked about that over the years, like using legislation to force some level of coverage for homeowners. And there is a bill right now, but it hasn't made it out of committee. I feel like everything is always in committee. We'll link that mine subsidence insurance like handy map for everyone. You should you can p- plug in your address. You should see if you actually live on one. I'm going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one note, there is sort of a loophole with the insurance question. So most insurance policies do cover general liability. So if you have a landslide and it encroaches onto your neighbor's property or vice versa, your neighbor has a landslide, it gets into your property, um, that can be covered. Um so the best case scenario is that like maybe it's itty bitty and it just like sort of gets onto your property because then an insurance policy can be triggered to fix all of it, to remediate the whole problem. Um, but if it's just on your property and no one else's, then it's all on you. There's no. nothing that usually gets covered. So then um, should people be prepared for any landslides happening? What is the weather look like? I mean, it takes a long cycle of freeze-thaw, 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 but I am looking at my 10-day forecast, and while it is completely frigid right now, our temps are supposed to get into the 50s again by next week. So not crazy warm, but if it starts to happen over and over and over again, that's when you start to watch out. 
Well, maybe more bad news. We're also going to talk about radon. Yes, we are. But I will try to make this actionable. I promise. It can't go worse than landslides. There are actually things you can do. Uh, January is Radon Action Month. So the state is encouraging people to test their homes and find out what their status is. Yeah, I did not know anything about radon before I learned about this. Uh, But then I went into a real radon rabbit hole. Uh, My husband has known about this the whole time. Uh, I've just been going through my life like a baby bird, unaware. Okay, let's hear it. Give us your radon spiel. Okay, so radon is a gas. It doesn't have any color. It doesn't have a smell. Uh, The gas itself comes from like rock, soil, water, and it can get into your home through like cracks in the wall and the foundation. So that's scary. Uh, To add to it, it is radioactive. Uh, Breathing it in over several years has been associated with lung cancer, which is very scary. I knew about the gas part. I didn't know it was radioactive. (laughs) I know. It really adds something to it, doesn't it? Um, So for those who have already been in the loop about Radon and have already heard of Radon Action Month, you may have seen a link floating around to get free Radon test kits. Um, That would have been from the state, but unfortunately, they are out of them now. Yeah. When I reached out to the DEP, the State Department of Environmental Protection, they told me they had 8,000 tests for the whole state. The American Lung Association supplied these free tests, but they were gone within the first week of offering them. So apparently in previous years, they did just target these tests to certain municipalities, but they offered them for the whole state. 8,000 for the entire state of Pennsylvania, several million people. That just seems like poor planning. Yeah, I tried digging around for other options. I am trying to find a free test kit for myself. Um, They're pretty easy to buy. You can get them from home improvement stores like Hmm. Home Depot has them. Um, You can buy them from PA certified radon labs. Uh, If you want to buy a test kit online, you can get one through the National Radon Program Services at Kansas State University. Uh, We'll have a link in the show notes for that. Uh, They have a short term kit. So that just monitors your home for a few days uh, for $17. So few options if you want to buy one. I think you can get them from one of our local libraries, too. I'm pretty sure we put Millvale in the Hey Pittsburgh newsletter. Yes, this was the one free option I could find. The Millville Tool Library has a digital radon detector you can borrow. Um, It might only be one, though. So I guess if it's checked out, that might take some time for you to get your hands on. Might be a wait. Um, Yeah. And if you lose it, the replacement fee is $180, a lot more than $17. So if you do borrow it, keep track of it. Um, Also, speaking from experience, if you are a homeowner or looking to buy a house, you may have already gotten one done on your house. They're becoming increasingly common when making a contingent offer. We actually got a radon test when we bought our house in 2019. I asked my husband because I was like, what if we have radon in the house? And he was like, we don't, Mary Lee. (laughs) I checked. Okay, that's a piece of good news. We bought ours last year and my parents bought a house last year. We had the radon test for like standard. And once again, I don't know about my home. (laughs) Uh, Well, it's not a requirement to test if you're buying and selling a home in Pennsylvania. Um, Mary Lee kindly looked it up for us. But you can add it as part of the disclosure process, like during inspections and stuff. Yeah. And just so everyone's aware, I mentioned earlier that radon causes or has been attributed as a cause for lung cancer. There's not like a safe level of it. So obviously the lower is better. The EPA recommends using radon mitigation. If you get a reading that's between two and four picocuries, if your reading is above four picocuries per liter, 
you definitely need to reduce radon levels in your home. And if you're doing your radon tests yourself and you need help interpreting the readings, you can actually call the DEP's hotline. And if they don't answer, you can leave a message. But I will say, because I tried to call this hotline right now, it's a very busy time. (laughs) And based on my personal experience, you might not get an immediate response. So like, just leave a voicemail. We'll put the information about how to get in touch with them in our show notes. I was very impressed with your persistence. You did a great job. Thank you. I'm very persistent. So while I did a lot of searching for a free kit, I did not actually make it to the part that tells you what to do if you find a higher level of radon in your home. Um, So what exactly does mitigation mean? Well, if you need mitigation, you'll need to contact professionals like to install like a whole system. So um, it can take less than a day. And there are like some pipes and fans. We'll share the state's list of certified radon mitigators. That is a cool title, uh, (laughs) by the way, to have. That's a cool thing to put on your business card. So but. Once you've got the system going for a bit, the DEP recommends the installer test again later to make sure it's actually working because, you know, you want to make sure that what you've installed is doing its job. Yeah, that's smart. I looked at some houses that had these systems in them. It's it, there. You see them. They're like noticeable, but it wasn't like a ton of space taken up, you know? Yeah, for sure. Well, Jens, before we get out of here, let's end on a happy note, <laughs> something that feels less dire. Um, any moments of joy worth sharing this week? It could be something you learned, something you read, something you accomplished, something you're looking forward to. Uh, Mary Lee, you start. Of course, it's going to be something I read because I read all the time, but it's something that I just learned. So I started reading Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte. Uh, I did not read it in school for people that like, I read that years ago. I did not, friends. Uh, the book I have... Uh, has like these notes in the back. And one of the first notes in the book says that the beginning of Jane Eyre was probably one of the first occurrences of a first-person narration by a child in English fiction. So I thought that was super cool because it was published in 1847. So I thought that was really neat. I love helpful notes in books. Those are so great. Um, I think mine is very down to earth. I successfully sort of installed a light fixture and repaired a clothes dryer. Now, mind you, I personally did neither of these things. I mostly just handed tools and secured equipment. However, (laughs) I am very glad to check them off the household list of to-dos. I'm very proud. (laughs) Good job, Megan. What about you? Obviously, my moment of joy has to do with the little treat. My friend sent me cookies. Uh, Mm. I am finishing the tin now and coming home to a giant tin of cookies on your doorstep is truly magic. Well, thank y'all. Mary Lee, good luck with the book. And I hope that everyone's home things get sorted quickly, efficiently, and (laughs) not with any like expense. No extra expense. Me too, Megan. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. Reminder, for ad-free listening, you can still become a member of CityCast Pittsburgh. We would be very, very grateful for your support. Our music is by Benji. The show was made this week by producer Sophia Lowe and executive producer Mary Lee Williams. Francesca DeBecco wrote our newsletter and roving producer Adrian Gonzalez helped edit. I'm your host, Megan Harris. We will be back on Monday with more news from around the city. Have a great weekend, everyone. Where's our Pulitzer, guys?